The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. First a word of prayer, and then we'll look together at this text and study prayer's place. Father, thank you for the privilege to preach today. I pray you would help us now to expound the Word of God, to edify the people of God, and to notify that poor lost sinner nearest hell today. Help them to see Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. In Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake I pray, amen and amen. Now, 1 Timothy 2, we've already looked at prayer's pattern, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Previous to that, we looked at prayer's pursuit. Luke 11, the one disciple said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus Christ, the Lord, gave them an instruction and illustrations concerning prayer, and he was the very inspiration for their desire to pray. Now today we look at prayer's place. Prayer must be exercised in the church. This was prayer's pattern. But prayer must be emphasized in the church. And this gives us prayer's place. We must have prayerful lives. We must have prayerful people in our congregations. And if we would do this, then we would see a mighty difference in our homes, in our churches, and I believe within the shores of our lands. And so we look now to chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, verse 2. Picking up where we left off quoting, the Bible says that we may lead a quiet 
and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now we find here that not only does God desire for us to have a prayerful life, but He desires for us to have a peaceable life as well. And we will only have a peaceable life if we continue instant in prayers. And prayer will influence the land. He says that we may lead. This means that the prayers of the saints affects the condition of the country. What we could do in America if we would pray. Oh, for our prayers to again influence our land. Through the power of prayer, we can influence our children, our communities, our cities, our counties, our states or provinces or territories, and yes, the countries in which we live, and first and foremost, the churches where we worship. Go back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verses 23 through 31. Study the well-known and oft-quoted passage that God is looking for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, and if you'll study it carefully and note the wording, he's looking for someone to stand before him for the land. God is not looking for a preacher in that passage. He is looking for an intercessor. He is looking for someone to be willing to shut the door and enter into the closet and set aside a public ministry and take up that private ministry of prayer where there is no applause, where there is no one encouraging you, but God Himself is looking, and God Himself is listening, and God Himself is longing for someone to enter into that place, to stand in the gap, and make up the heads before Him for the land. So prayer influences the land. But then prayer influences the life. He says that we may lead quiet and peaceable life. Obviously, this life involves peace and quiet. It involves tranquility, a place that is undisturbed. We would be then able to sit quietly and sit still and let God control our lives. Where is this life found? It is found in all godliness and honesty. And people of prayer will be godly and honest people. And godly and honest people will have peace and quiet in their soul. To be godly means we are living holy. We are living honorable lives, worthy of the calling, of the vocation which we have received from God. And these lives are worthy of God's name, of Christ's name, and of reward at the judgment seat of Christ, and then not only to be godly, but to be honest. This means that one's life is full of virtue, full of integrity, a life that's been proven through trials and is worthy of respect. And a godly, honest life which is full of prayer will always lead to a quiet and peaceable life for the soul of the Christian. 
He or she may have troubles without, but they can have peace within. There may be storms throughout the community. There may be problems throughout the country, but there can be peace within the soul of the believer. And so prayer is emphasized that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Prayer then must have an emphasized place among the saints if we would gain that divine perspective which will cause us to look on to the end, not to the now, here and now, but to beyond. And we will grasp a portion of eternity and get glimpses from God's presence when we pray. And God will give us the right perspective of what's to come through His Word. We'll gain those divine glimpses of what's on the horizon. And in our hearts, we will be prepared for tomorrow, though it may never come. And our lives will be occupied with God and the things which please Him. Notice in verse 3, he says, speaking of that good, honest, godly life that we are leading in quiet and peace, he says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So these lives which are occupied with God and the things which please Him are occupied first with the sight of God. When you pray, God gives you vision. He gives you the ability to see where others appear to be blind. He opens your eyes, and you are occupied with all that is done in the sight of God our Savior. And prayer enables you to see God's delight or what pleases Him. And you begin to understand that my life is not mine to live, but mine to give to Christ and to give over to pleasing God. And as we lead a prayerful life, we're led into the knowledge of what's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, and we begin to desire good things and right things and holy things and righteous things, and our lives are changed when in the presence of God in the place of prayer. Not only are we enabled to see God's delight in our prayers, but we are enabled to see God's desire in our prayers. Verse 4, speaking of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Our prayers will enable us to understand that God desires for all men to be saved. This, it's God's desire. It is first the will of God who will have all men to be saved. It is God's will. God wishes and longs for all men to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is for all men to be saved, to repent toward Him and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. His heart graciously 
and clearly beats for the salvation of lost humanity. God's fervent desire is for the salvation of the sinners. Warren Wiersbe said here, This does not mean all people without exception, for certainly the whole world is not going to be saved, but it means all people without distinction. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, religious and pagan, I would add colored, black, red, yellow, or white, smart, or illiterate, God desires for all men to be saved. But then we see lives which are occupied with the Son of God. Prayer will put you in the place where you see Christ for who He is, and you see God for who He is. There is one God. Verse number 5. The majesty of God. In a brief breath and with a few strokes of the scribe's pen, Paul states with a clarity and authority like that of an Old Testament prophet, one of the greatest revelations of God, for there is one God. And then he continues and he says, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Thank God. There is a man, even the God-man, Christ Jesus, seated in the heavens at the right hand of the majesty on high, interceding for the saints, and sitting there. His work of redemption has been complete, and all who will come may come and be born again. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.